And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another edition of the No Spots Podcast. And now, introducing your host from the People's Studios in Reston, Virginia, DC's People's Champ. From the Wrestling Ranch in West Virginia, Donnie Wrestling. And from the basement, Dan the Sea. Guys, what's up? Tope Corn, hello and welcome. It is episode 101 of the No Spots Podcast here, part of the True Radio Network on Facebook, on YouTube, and on twitch.tv forward slash true no spots pod. I am DC's People's Champ. Glad to be here with you. Of course, I am joined by my tag team partner as always, the Sith. Sith, hello, sir. How are you? You say you want a revolution. Well, this weekend, guess what? You got one going. Oh, yeah, it's AEW. Um, hope everyone's having a good week so far. It's been a very crazy week in the RVA. But a good one, though. Champ, how you doing, bro? I like what you did there with the revolution callback. That was good. Beautiful, beautifully done. All right. So we, like I said, we are going to be talking about AEW Revolution. We got, they got a nice pack card coming up. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about the weekend wrestling, uh, including the go home show for Dynamite Crossroads. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we are also, I'm also going to go back through and talk about New Japan. As you know, myself and Sage did a, a exclusive to Twitch on Wednesday night previewing the New Japan Cup. Hold on just a second, guys. Let me just check something really fast. Okay, cool. The sound is perfect. All right, good. Um, so myself and Sage, we did a, a Twitch exclusive previewing the New Japan Cup. They've already kicked that off. We'll talk. I'll talk about who's already moved on and that. Hector's in the building. What's going on, Hector? How you doing? Um... And we're going to have some news and notes, including uh, a tribute that uh, we're going to have. So we're going to talk about all that. We got all that on deck. I am so excited. And guess what? It's also back, guys. This is back. Yes, yes. Uh, so we figured what was wrong with the sounds and everything like that. But we got it fixed. And we are back. And we are lit. So let's have a let's have a good time before also before I get into this as well. Uh, Want to wish Pan Russell Chase Owens today is his birthday. Well, well, it's tomorrow, but it's already Sunday in Japan. So today is his birth. So it's his birthday. So happy birthday to Chase uh, and good shit. Good on, good on him. He's got an upcoming match in the New Japan Cup against David Finley uh, coming up next week. So hopefully he moves on. I picked him to move on, so hopefully he moves on. Right. Um, so here we go. Let's talk about some news, shall we? Let's get some news going and everything like that. Uh, Hector, if you're still out there, I'm pretty sure you are. How do we sound? How do we look? Everything good? Please let us know. Thank you. Hey. And Hector, how you doing, pal? Good guy right there, Hector. Big supporter of the, of the podcast. We appreciate that. Now, all right, so we got some news to talk about here. One of the first news stories I want to talk about is uh, Caleb Braxton making news again, but this time in a good way. Uh, this week, Caleb Braxton decided that she's going to live her truth, and she came out as bisexual. And first and foremost, I want to say how proud that I am that she came out 
and she's living her truth and saying that what, what her, her sexual status is and what her orientation is. What I don't like is the fact that apparently, you know, of course, those internet trolls who, who live in their parents' basements using stolen Wi-Fi harassed and harassed and harassed her to the point she deleted her social media again. Uh, last time she did this was after she had uh, contracted COVID-19 for the second time, and she got bullied and harassed and, t and closed out her social media, her Twitter account then, and she has done so again off of the heels of this. I want to discuss this, but I don't because I'm going to save this for later. So I'll, so we're gonna, I'm going to table this for later, but congratulations and much blessings to Kayla Braxton for living her truth. And uh, it's it's just, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to see. And as someone who's an ally of that community, you know, it's very great to see and know that she's again living her truth and not you know conforming to other means or other, other way things are supposed to be. You know. Um, next up, during the anniversary show. Okay, Hector, thanks for letting me know that a sound fan. Cool. Uh, during the anniversary show uh, that took place this past Thursday, uh, New Japan announced two huge shows coming up in the month of May that are being called Wrestling Grand Slam. They announced that they will be having a show on May the 15th at Yokohama Stadium, and they also announced that on May the 29th, for the first, it will be the first non-January 4th show at the Tokyo Dome. That is absolutely just big groundbreaking news there for that they announced that uh, the first event taking place at Yokohama Stadium uh, is going to be uh, the first. This will be the second time within a year that they're going to have a show at an outdoor baseball stadium. As you know, they did have. Um, the Jingle Stadium Summer Struggle show there on August the 29th, in which uh, Naito was able to recapture the double championships. And so they're going back to a, a baseball stadium, this time Yokohama Stadium. But the big story is the fact that they're going to be in the Tokyo Dome, and it's not January 4th. That's the big thing right there. It's actually going to be May the 29th. Uh, no other details were released when it came to this. Uh, just that it, those two venues are going to be hosting this Wrestling Grand Slam event uh, series. So can't wait to see what comes out of that one. Yes, Hector, I did pull out of Ross. Huge. I did. Sorry. I, I just, it was, that's, that's big news, dude. It's big news that the Tokyo Dome is going to host a, a wrestling event and it's not going to be in January. So there you go. But um, we move on from what's big news to somber, very somber news. And that is the report. That was the report that we received earlier this week of the passing of legendary wrestling promoter Jim Crockett Jr., who passed away at the age of 76. Uh, it was not yet. Um, well, it was saying that his crash comes just days after he went into hospice care with kidney and liver issues. Uh, for those who follow professional wrestling as long as we do, 
Crockett's name is synonymous with pro wrestling, especially in the South. Uh, he was part owner and operator of the legendary Jim Crockett Productions from 1977 to until 1989. Uh, he the company ran affiliated with the uh, National Wrestling Alliance. It was started by his father and then sold to Ted Turner in 1988, who renamed it WCW. He was also Jim Crockett was a three-term NWA president, last serving in the role back in 1991. Uh, so it was a lot of a lot of tributes came out when it came to Jim Crockett and his passing, and. You know, because he was a pioneer when it came to the sport of professional wrestling. But our own Sith said had 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 some words he wanted to say when it came to Jim Crockett and his impact when it came to professional wrestling. So I yield the floor to Sith for his tribute before we do a ten bell salute for Jim. You know, this sucks. Um Jim Crockett Jr. And his dad, Jim Crockett Sr. as well. They were responsible for the wrestling that I started to watch when I was a kid. Okay? Because out here, and I've mentioned this to y'all time and again, we had NWA, Minute Atlantic Championship Wrestling, which was the Crockett promotion, which was that along with Georgia. We didn't get the WWF until about 85 or so. And even then it was mixed in with world-class championship wrestling out of Texas. So my start with wrestling started with Jim Crockett promotions. And it was heartbreaking to find out that Jim Crockett senior junior died because despite what he did with business and everything, you know, when he tried to make the company bigger and everything, he was a businessman that loved pro wrestling. You know, he made it known, you know, in a documentary that you can see on WWE Network and soon Peacock Premium, that when his dad died, his brothers took over most of the other promoting. He just wanted the wrestling because that was his first love. So for the man who is partially responsible for making me the wrestling fan that I am today after all these years. Jim Crockett Jr., thank you. You're out of pain. You're no longer suffering. Much love and respect. See you at the Jubilee, sir. Sorry, I was on mute. Well said, my friend. Well, well said there. Uh, I mean, let's be let's be honest here. You couldn't talk about professional wrestling and not mention the name of Jim Crockett. Anytime you talked about past uh, wrestling moments, you mentioned Jim Crockett, whether it was him as the person or Jim Crockett Productions. The man created was one of the main pillars that helped to create professional wrestling and to drive it to where it is today. Yes, Vince McMahon is going to always be that 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 bigger figure when it comes to that, but Jim Crockett had played his role when it came to professional wrestling and growing professional wrestling to what it is today. And without his contributions to the sport, 
I don't think that professional wrestling would be where it is today if not for him. So, of course, it is customary that we will do a 10-bell salute for Jim Crockett. So, please take a moment of silence as we told the bell 10 times for Jim Crockett Jr. Thank you, Mr. Crockett. Appreciate that. All right, I'm going to go into the solo layout here for a bit because we're going to start talking about New Japan. So, New Japan is currently in the midst of its New Japan Cup Tour, which actually started, which is a rarity for New Japan, but they actually started it at the anniversary show, which took place on Thursday, as you know, on our Twitch exclusive, which also went up as a podcast literally at 2 a.m. right before the New Japan, right before the anniversary show. Uh, we talked about, my say, my talked about not only the main event of the anniversary show, but we also talked about uh, the first round of the New Japan Cup. We gave our predictions for that round. Uh, be on the lookout for next week. Let me see. I look, I wrote it down on the 10th of March. 10th of March, which is a Wednesday, uh, we will be back on twitch.tv forward slash true no spots pod exclusively to give a recap of the first round of the, of the New Japan Cup and preview the second round and give our predictions for the second round of the New Japan Cup. And then on the 18th, we will have the quarterfinals and semifinals preview and a wrap up of round two. And then on the 20th, Two days after that, we will recap the semifinal, the quarters and semifinals, and then we will also recap the finals of the New Japan Cup as well. So we got a lot coming for you, and that that's going to be exciting. But again, the anniversary show took place on Thursday, which saw uh, Hiroki Goto get the victory with the GTR for his four-man team of Homa, Gabriel Kidd, and Master Wato against the Suzuki-Gun team of Doki, Zack Sabre, Jr., Minoru Suzuki, and Taichi. This was a preview of a couple of first-round matches that are going to be taking place in the New Japan Cup. Uh, Gabriel Kidd's facing Zack Sabre Jr., Homeless facing Minoru Suzuki, which that match actually took place today. I'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, Hiroki Goto against Taichi, which also has already taken place. Um... We also had a 10-man tag, which saw Evil, Kenta, Chase Owens, Jay White, and Taiji Ishimori victorious over Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, David Finley, Toa Hanara, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, Taguchi and Taiji Ishimori are not in the New Japan Cup. There are no junior heavyweights in this tournament this year. Uh, but this was another preview of first-round matches with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Evil both having first-round buys. Uh, the third match saw Sho defeat Bushi with the Shock Arrow in another preview of first-round matches. Ishii going up against Sonata and Okada going up against Shingo. That match also took place today, and fuck me, that was a great match. And then we will go into the New Japan Cup proper with the first-round match of Jeff Cobb versus Sajoshi Gojima. They went 11 minutes, 50 seconds. With a tour of the islands, Jeff Cobb moves on to the second round where he will face Evil, who has a bye. 
in the other first round match in the New Japan Cup, Tetsuya Naito went up against the Great Okan, and Great Okan defeats Tetsuya Naito via ref stoppage. Uh, Great Okan had a lead lock in on Naito so bad that Naito was not able to get to the ropes, and he was in so much pain, the ref stopped the match. He stopped it, Great Okan moves on, and so Great Okan is, is advanced in the tournament. And then in the main event, it was the final defense of the double championships as now the championships are going to be merged into one and be called the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Kota Ibushi was able to successfully defend in a 20-minute affair against El Desperado in what was an awesome, awesome match. And it will be the final defense of both championships before they are now merged into the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. This was Ibushi's third defense of the IWGP Heavyweight title and his fourth defense of the IC title. So that was that was a fun event right there and a fun main event. Now we go into the proper... Um, before we get into the other first round match that took place on Friday, we also had New Japan Strong, uh, Road to Strong Style Evolved, saw an opening tag match featuring Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin getting a victory over Kevin Knight and Clark Connors. Uh, the D, uh, Tom Lawler qualifying for the New Japan Cup USA with a victory over the DKC. And then uh, Rocky Romero and Leo Rush, they don't have the... Why don't they not have the results here? Sorry, guys. Um... I got to go back and see that, but I think Leo Rush won that one. So I'm sure somebody will correct me, but I think Leo Rush won it, but they don't have it here. So, but that's what happened on Strong on Friday night. I kind of missed it because I was doing something else. I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. But then also on Friday, we had. We had the New Japan Cup begin. Uh, I'm not going to go through the matches that were went on in the undercard of this, because they were just, again, multi-man matches that are previews of first-round matches. But we did get Toriano getting the victory over Bad Luck Fale via count-out to advance in the first round, out of the first round again for the second year in a row. Uh, he, was taped to, he was taped to the ring post. And somehow the ref got distracted. Yano hits a low blow on Fale. The ref counts down. Fale can't get up because he got kicked in the dick. And Yano still managed to get in the ring, roll in enough, and, get, and, and Fale got counted out. And that's how Toriano moves on in the tournament. I knew it was going to be some shenanigans. That's why I picked him to win because I knew he was going to do it by shenanigans. So there you go. Toriyama moves on, and Hiroki Goto also moves on, defeating Taichi in a spirited contest inside Corcoran Hall. That was an awesome main event. And he moves on in the New Japan Cup. So that leads us to today's action and what happened on uh, in there. Uh, in the f those first-round matches saw... Tomaki Homa almost defeated Minoru Suzuki. Uh, so, but it was Suzuki with the Gotch-style power driver that got the victory and moves on in the tournament. Uh, he will actually go up against. Uh, he will actually go up against Hiroki Goto's will Suzuki in that first in the second round. Juice Robinson and Kenta went at it in this one, but Kenta would get the ultimately get the victory with the. Uh, game over submission to force Juice to tap out. And so Kenta moves on, and he will face the winner of the main event, which is Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi. And in what many people are going to call an upset, 
Shingo Takagi, with the last of the dragon, defeated Kazuchika Okada to move on to the second round of the New Japan Cup. He will face Kenta in the second round. So, as it stands now, as we, we look at the brackets, as it stands now, and I'm pulling up the brackets now, the second round, which will begin on the left side of the bracket on March the 11th, will see Evil go up against Jeff Cobb. The Great Okan against Toriano, Hiroki Goto versus uh, Shingo, Takagi, Shingo Takagi, and Minoru Suzuki against Kenta. So, oh man, thank you, Hector, for letting me know. Yes, Leo Rush did win last night to qualify for the New Japan Cup in U- the USA tournament. But yeah, three more events, and now the left side of the bracket is all straight and ready to go for their second round, starting on the 7th, which is tomorrow, Sunday. Uh, we will have first round matches with Will Ospreay and Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Gabriel Kidd versus Zack Sabre Jr. On the ninth, you will have Yoda Suji against Yuji Nagata and Tomohiro Ishii versus Sonata. The tenth, we'll see three the final three first round matches: uh, David Finley, Chase Owens, Yoshihashi, Yujiro Takahashi, and Toa Hanara and Jay White. Now, the winner Hanara and Jay White will face Hiroshi Tanahashi, who has a bye as the never open weight champion. So, that is your New Japan recap for this week. A lot going on. And remember, March the 10th, exclusively on twitch.tv forward slash true no spots pod, you can check out us streaming live our recap of round one and then our preview of round two. So, there you go. That's a lot. That's a lot. But we got even more to talk about. We're a little more than 20 minutes in. So, let's talk about... AEW Revolution 2021, shall we? Revolution, their annual February pay-per-view. This this is their second time doing this pay-per-view. Uh, remember, we all remember last year's pay-per-view, which took place in front of a crowd in Chicago, where John Moxley was able to defeat Chris Jericho to become only the second ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Also, we saw one of the most spirited tag team matches of all time in the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Hamman Page for the tag titles. Kenny and and Page were able to retain. Uh, We saw a lot of good stuff at that event. So, of course, our expectations are going to be pretty high for this one, even though it's not in front of a big crowd. It's in Daly's place. Though... Tony Khan did uh, say on this on the recent edition of AEW Restricted that they're looking at 1,300 people being present at Daly's place, socially distanced, of course, and wearing masks is required. But there will be 1,300 people in Daly's place to watch this pay-per-view. That'll be the largest crowd they've had since the pandemic started last year. That is absolutely freaking amazing. But we are here not to talk about crowd sizes and all the other stuff. We're here to talk about the show itself. They have nine matches on the card. One match on the buy-in, which we're going to include in this. And then the eight matches on the main card. Uh, I'm going to say them all in just the order I have them written down here. I don't know what the order is, match order is going to be. Uh, I believe I've been seeing stuff on the internet about the Young Bucks lobbying to want to start the show uh, with their tag match and stuff like that, which I wouldn't be mad at that. I'll be completely honest with you. So, uh, so Hector asked, is there a U.S. side of the bracket and a Japanese side like the AEW Women's to eliminate? No. New Japan doesn't do it that way. It's just a left side and a right side of the bracket. Um, and it's it's... 
it's it's a knockout it's knockout style, which means one and done. You like you lose, you go home. You win, you advance. So, but no, it's not like that. Whereas you have one side with all U.S. Uh, competitors and one side all Japanese. It's just all mixed in, and it's a heavyweight tournament and not a open weight. Even though it was open weight last year, as we mentioned when we talked about it on Wednesday, it is open weight because of the it, it was open weight last year because of the fact that half the roster wasn't there and they needed enough people to fill in the the bracket so they had juniors on there as well as heavyweights and it saw that you know Hiromu Takahashi the junior heavyweight champion at the time almost made it to the finals he made it to the semifinals he passed out and it was a ref stoppage against Kazuchika Okada but he almost made it to the finals did Hiromu as a junior so just think about that but uh let's talk about revolution so let's begin. So we'll begin with the buy-in match, of course, because that's going to come on uh, probably in the seven thirty hours. So that's why when we begin our live stream, it'll be at seven around seven twenty-five ish to get you ready for that. But we have Riho teaming with Thunder Rosa to go up against Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel, not Reba. All right, so Sith. What you reckon? You like what? You, what you thinking about when it comes to this matchup and and the just the, the intertwining uh, characters that are in this match. Mm. Okay, this is an intriguing buy-in women's tag team match. That's honestly a good idea. Now, as we all know, and this is just for people that are new that don't know my opinion on this, the purpose of the buy-in or kickoff, if you've got a match in it, is to basically whet the appetite for the people that have already purchased the pay-per-view, run the fence of buying it, going. Do I really want to spend $49.99 on this or not? Well, here you go. This should be a really good matchup. And no matter what happens, it's going to be fun. I'm going with Rebel and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. That's right. Um, <laughs> but in no way is it a slight against Riho and Thunder Rosa. Matter of fact, in order for them to be protected... I think that Rebel will interfere so Baker can get a dirty pen, which will protect Riho and Thunder Rosa, but I'm going with Rebel and Baker in this one. Champ. All right, so I like the dynamic here. We already know that Thunder Rosa's had her issues with Dr. Britt Baker and with Rebel uh, throughout the tail end of 2020 into 2021. Uh, they had a match, and it ended up with uh Britt Baker getting a, a little cheeky cheat, cheat win uh, to get the, to get that that victory, but I'm sure that 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 issue's not over. And then you include Riho into that, and you have yourself a nice little uh, a nice little 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 uh, little combo here, and a good way to open up the show and to get people ready for the main card. Uh, and how about this? This is going to be the first match we're going to disagree on. I'm picking Riho, and I'm picking Thunder Rosa, and I feel like. Somehow, Britt Baker's going to be out of the picture, and Rebel's going to eat the pin, which is going to start some kind of friction between Britt Baker and Rebel. So I'm going with Riho and Rosa to win this one. So we're already disagreeing right off the break. Even on the buy-in show, we're like, nope, we're, we're different on this one. So I'm going with Riho and Rosa. Next, we have the tag team, the casino tag team Royale to talk about. A lot of teams in this one. Luckily, I pulled it up, uh, and these are the teams that are going to be in it. You're going to have Bear Boulder and Bear Bronson, Bear Bear Country. You're going to have three teams from the Dark Order. 
Alex Reynolds and John Silver, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, and Alan Angels and Ten. You're gonna have Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful of the uh, proud and powerful of the Inner Circle. You're gonna have the Butcher and the Blade. You're gonna have Private Party. You're gonna have Death Triangle, Pack and Ray Phoenix, the Seidel Brothers. Gun Club, Austin and Colton. The Pretty Picture, which is the new team name for Pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bernoni. SoCal Uncensored. Uh, the Natural Nightmares, the Varsity Blondes, and then Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express. Now, knowing those are the teams that are in it, Sith, who are you picking? Okay, there are a lot of tag teams here, and this is a battle royale. So, it's basically, if one person's eliminated, your tag team is still there as long as your partner is still in the ring. A tag team is unofficially eliminated until both members are outside the ring, over the top rope, and on the ring floor. Um, I'm going with Santana and Ortiz here, proud, proud and powerful here. Um, as I want to see a major implosion of egos within the inner circle, and it feels really good to pull the trigger here. My head was saying SCU, but I want to delay that inevitable push a little bit longer. Santana and Ortiz will win as I'm going with my gut here. Yeah, I can't really put in logic who I think is going to win this match because you have so many different teams and so many different uh, dynamics. And the fact that the rules are that both members of a team have to be eliminated to be completely gone, which means that one member of the team could be gone, but that other one could turn around and eliminate people and win the match. So it's just so much there. I literally pulled this pick out of my ass. Just just pulled it out of my ass. Death Triangle. <laughs> like, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm going with Death Triangle on this one. Uh, because I don't really, I can't really think of any other team that's in it that I think would be compelling to go after the AEW World Tag Team Championships except for Death Triangle. And especially this 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 ver this this combination of Pac and Ray Phoenix because we all know about the Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix and and Penta El Zero Miedo, but this this combination showed that they're going to be tough. I mean, they squashed their opponents on Wednesday. We all saw it. Uh, they squashed the fuck out of them. So I mean, look at this. This is gonna this is what we're gonna get. So I'm going with Death Triangle. Uh, really quickly, Hector made a couple picks already. He's going with Riho and Rosa for the pre buy-in, which could set up a match later down the line to qualify for a match against Sheeta at a later date. And he's also going with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson to win the Casino Battle Royal. That's his Twitch bias, though. I ain't even gonna hold you. <laughs> That's Twitch bias, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see what Hector, I see what you did there, man. I see what you uh, did there. But look, I respect it, though. I respect yep. it. I respect it. I respect it. All right, next. Uh, we got Miro and Kip Sabian going up against Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. I'm going with Miro and Kip. I feel like Miro's been on a roll anytime he wrestles. I don't even think he's lost a match yet. Um, and I just feel like this, is, this isn't the right time to have him lose now. Or if he's going to lose, Kip eats the pin. And then it causes him to go even more mental to the point that maybe they split. But if that's, that's really the only way this will work. Otherwise, I think that Miro and Kip win this. So what about you, Seth? Uh, we're going to de- agree to disagree here yet again, champ. Th- this could, and I need to set this up for people. Champ and I do not know our prediction, 
are each other's predictions. We don't discuss them in the chat. We don't discuss who any surprise entrance might be. We don't do that at all. So Champ doesn't know my predictions. I don't know his. I'm going with the best friends here. And I'm going with my gut again. If I were to go with my head, you know, they win with my head and my gut. Best friends do. But Miro fucking blows up. It, he's had enough. Okay. What was something that Miro got tired of in WWE? This whole lackadaisical comical shtick. Well, he's had enough. They're going to start building seeds of dissension where he's going to turn on Kip and Penelope Ford. I'm going with the best friends here, but seeds are going to start to be planted. Well, like I said, I think they've already started to be planted when we saw what happened at the wedding when he accidentally hit Miro and Miro kind of looked at him like he was ready to kill him. So I think they started to plant those seeds. But I, but one thing I've noticed about AEW is they play the long game. They don't tend to like throw storylines at you in the short term. They tend to play the long game. So that's why I think that Miro and Kip win because they it'll kind of like keep things moving, progressing upward before there's a blow up. Uh, Hector's got the best friends with a and with a blow up between Kip and Miro because the best man gimmick sucks. I ain't gonna hold you. It does suck. I ain't gonna lie to you. It does suck. It does suck. But uh, I'm picking yeah, Miro and Kip, and that's not my Twitch bias, even though I am subscribed to Twitch to him on Twitch. I'm part of the Super Bad Squad. Just saying. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Big money match. Big money match. We got Hangman Adam Page versus Matt Hardy. The winner will get 100% of the loser's Q1 profit revenue. So that's why it's a big money match. Sith, you're, what are you thinking here? Uh, heel Matt Hardy is a work of art, big money Matt, but you have to start wondering if the redemption of Hangman Adam Page really starts going full circle here. I believe that big money Matt takes a hit in this match and loses here, but in no way is it a bad thing as it could be a solid gimmick, but I think it will pay off in time, but in this one, going with Adam Page and he might get yet another offer to align with the Dark Order. Champ. Well, shit, we finally agree on something. I'm also going with Hangman Page. I feel like with Hangman Page, he's just been, you know, this this little bit of a thing he's got with the Dark Order. I still don't know if he's going to join the Dark Order, but the fact that they're associating themselves with him and there's been a lot, all this talk, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt on the internet that Hangman will be the one that takes the, the AEW world title from Kenny Omega down the line. And if that's where you're building towards, then he has to win a match like this. A big pay-per-view match like this with a stipulation against a veteran like Matt Hardy, you can't have him, You can't. he can't lose here. If you're building him up to be the man to beat Kenny Omega for the, the, the top uh, title in your company, you got to start somewhere, and this is where you start. So... I'm going with Hangman Page to get the victory here. So we finally agree on one. So let's see how many more we can agree we can agree or disagree on. Uh, let's talk about the street fight. Team Taz, uh, Brian Cage, the FTW heavy, World Heavyweight Champion, and Ricky Starks, absolute Ricky Starks, against the TNT Champion, Darby Allin, and Sting in his first match in, what, seven, what was it, seven years? About six, seven years, yeah. Man, six and years. I mean, yeah, that, that's crazy that he hasn't been in a ring in that long a period of time. Um, hmm. 
I picked Allen and Sting here. Only reason why I picked them is, again, one, it was announced on Unrestricted when Tony Khan was on it that Darby's going to have to defend the TNT Championship on Dynamite that following Wednesday, regardless of the outcome of the street fight. Um, and he's going to defend it against whoever wins the uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match. So, I feel like Darby and Sting will get the victory. Also, it'll be a good feel-good win for Sting. First match back in the in, in six-plus years uh, and getting after it and getting the victory. I feel like th- that's where this is where we're going to see it here is Darby and Sting. What do you think? No matter where you go with this match, whether you're pulling for Team Taz, whether you're pulling for Sting and Darby Allen, it's going to be a burn burner of a street fight. And the story writes itself, and it's very compelling. And yeah, Sting took a bump two weeks ago that people thought he would never take again, which is exhilarating. In a perfect world for some people, Sting wins as a part of his comeback, and since it's deciding that, yes, he and his protege Darby Allen beat Team Tass at Revolution. All right. So we agree again, but blowing with Allen and Sting. All right, let's talk about that face of the Revolution ladder match. The winner will get the shot at the TNT Championship on Dynamite Wednesday. Uh, oh, Hector had a couple picks here. He's got. He's also going with Hangman Page, even though Matt Hardy is doing a good job so far. He's taking a pin and losing money. Cool, and he's got Darby and Sting in what could be a cinematic match to cover any deficiencies that Sting may have after five years and some months. That's fair. Fair. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we've been talking. We've been saying this when since they announced it might be a cinematic match, but we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see what happens. All right, the Face of Revolution ladder match. Here are the participants for that one. You're gonna have Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Penta El Cielo Miedo, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and an unknown participant and tony khan wouldn't spill the details of who that person was during his uh, appearance on aew unrestricted so we're gonna make we're gonna try to yes we're gonna try to guess we're gonna try to guess who this person could be that'll be answering this ladder match as the sixth competitor and possibly have a shot at the tnc championship Gonna start with Sith. Sith, your thoughts. Who are you picking? Who is your mystery participant and who are you picking to win this? Okay. The word is in the rumor mill that the mystery person in this match is not, I repeat, not the one who's gonna be the new signing that Paul White announces tomorrow night at well this weekend at revolution if you're listening to us on our audio stream it's tonight if you're watching us live right now it's tomorrow night and champ you're gonna love this my dude get ready folks because the surprise entrant that champ that the sith is picking is none other than the national treasure the holder of the 10 pounds of gold your NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. What? What? Can I just say that was perfect timing by me because it wasn't even queued up yet and I played that perfectly. Can I just get my shit off on that for real? (laughs) My man. That's all I'm going to tell you is my man. Okay, look. Here's the logic I have with this. And it's something that that may come up 
in our week in review. Okay. In Impact this week, Tony Khan in his little promo, okay, said, we're all in this together against one organization. So when I think about that, and I give it a little bit of thought, that means New Japan, AAA, because Lucha Bros do a lot of work in AAA, AEW, Impact Wrestling, and the National Wrestling Alliance. Now, I'm not ready to say that Ring of Honor is going to join in, but they might join in eventually. But yeah, my surprise pick in Trent is Nick Aldis. And no, I don't think Camille will join him. But if she did, you know Seth wouldn't complain at all. Hey, champ, do you want to know my winner of the match or just a surprise pick for right now? Winner. Winner, and it's another shock pick. I'm going with Penta El Cero here for the W. It's time for him to really come out and shine, I think. And I think Penta's going to win. Okay. I like your picks. I, li- I like those picks. The oldest one definitely caught me. Definitely caught me off guard. Let me put myself on the screen. That caught me off guard for real. Like, cause, I mean, he's been so adamant that he doesn't want to work with other promotions because he's representing the NWA, and they're actually getting ready to come back uh, this month with a, a event that's going to be on Fight TV, Fight TV. So, I'm excited about that. Okay. So. I don't know if my pick, I'm not even going to play the what thing, because I don't know if my pick of mystery a participant is going to be as shocking as Sis. But who I'm thinking here, and I've seen his name floating around too, so that's what made me think of it. Ethan Page. Remember, Ethan Page is a free agent. He's no longer with Impact, and he went out the door of Impact, not in the greatest of standings, to be fair. And so I'm sure that he has no problems with coming to AEW and being a part of that roster. And that's what he's going to do. I think that it's going to be Ethan Page that is going to be the mystery participant in this one. Now, who do I have winning this? I am going with Scorpio Sky. I mean, look at the 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 what he how he carried himself on commentary. He carried himself so like arrogant and self-assured on commentary you got to capitalize on that so i think he gets the shot at the tnt championship i don't think he wins it but i get i think he gets the shot so i'm going with scorpio sky on this one all right bring sith back in all right hector i got the mystery participant which could be paul white that's uh, that's not a bad shout it's not a bad shout because paul was he does want to continue to wrestle does Paul White formerly the Big Show? Um, heck, Aldis, aka Magnus, makes sense. Okay, I thought Ethan was WWE bound. There's no one around that says mm-hmm. that he's WWE bound. And if you heard that from from Uncle, you know who, whose name we don't <laughs> mention here, that you're definitely sadly mistaken, and he's led you astray. Sorry. Yep, we do not yes. mention Uncle. He shall not be named. He is a lot like mentioning Lord Voldemort. You do not mention his name. Right. Now let's talk about the two, the three championship matches that we have on this card. You have, first off, we're going to talk about the AEW 
Tag Team Championship match. The Young Bucks defending against the Inner Circles, Chris Jericho and MJF, and what has turned into a bitterly, bitterly personal rivalry for those belts. Sith, what do you? How do you feel about this matchup, and who you got winning it? Oy vey, oy vey. Now, for people who don't know, the Young Bucks are doing essentially with the AEW Tag Team Championships what Cody did with the TNT Championship. It's put talent over in their matches, and this will be no different, as this will help elevate MJF even more than he has been in you know, two years he's been with the company. Okay? I have the Young Bucks retaining here. But look over the horizon, because I believe that either a double or nothing or before then, they will drop the straps. But the Dark Lord is going with the Young Bucks. Okay. I'm also going with the Young Bucks. And this is the logic I have behind this. I'm going with the Young Bucks because I feel like what's going to happen is... This is going to sow more seeds for the story that MJF wants to take over the inner circle and push Jericho out. So what may end up happening is that somehow MJF may make a mistake and Jericho gets pinned for the Bucks to retain. And then that'll add more to the whole thing of why MJF should lead the inner circle because it seems like Jericho doesn't have it anymore. He's lost Sammy uh, and he couldn't win the tag titles, things like that. It could be sowing those seeds. Maybe we'll see, but I'm going with the young bucks. The young bucks will that will retain the tag team championships. I think whoever comes out of the casino battle, the uh, tag team Royale will provide another great little uh, feud for the bucks going forward. So let's go with that. Uh, Hector's got a couple comments. Got a comment here saying, I got the Bucks because of a betrayal from MGF to Jericho with MGF taking over the inner circle, making Jericho face. I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on that right away. Like I said, AEW tends to have, be a slow burn when it comes to their storylines. They they're not like WWE where they do knee-jerk uh, uh, storyline progression. They tend to want to drive, drag it out and let it progress naturally. And um, I don't think they're at the point yet to have MJF turn on Jericho right now. I think it's got to build to that. Uh, it's not, and it's not quite there yet. But that's a good. That was a. That's a good, good, good logic to that. There's no, no. There's nothing wrong with your logic. It's just I just don't see that happening. All right. AEW Women's World Title. Oh, sorry. So go ahead. My bad. I think double or nothing. You'll really start to see the wheels start turning for MJF to turn on Jericho. But yeah, because AEW, as Champ said, is a very, very slow burn type. It's not like WWE, which we may get into later on in the week in review, where shit just happens, you know, with no explanation. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Women's cha World Championship. Uh, Hikaru Shida, the champion, will be defending against the woman who won the AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament, Ryo Mizunami, uh, who got a big victory in a hell of a match with Nyla Rose on on Dynamite in the uh, finals. My God, what a match! That was probably one of the best women's TV matches that AEW's put on in a in their two year existence. My God, what a match! 
And there's history between these two uh, as well, dating back to their time in Japan. So, Sith, how do you feel about this one? Does Sheeta walk out still the champion going with her 200-plus day reign, or do we see a new champion? Now, I know people are going to say he's a mark. I'm not. I am not saying this because Nyla Rose lost. And what was definitely one of the best matches AEW has put on with the women's division on TV, as Champ said. And don't be surprised if it doesn't get glowing praises from both of us in our weekend review that's coming up in the next segment. But I'm going with Hikaru Shida. Even though she and Ryo have a lot of history together, dating back to Japan, and I believe they were also partners in one of the Battle Royales as well here in AEW early on before they got into you know the weekly shows and everything. I'm going with Hikaru Shida, but I got news for Hikaru Shida. As the Wu-Tang Clan said, protect your neck. Jim? Right. Uh, yeah, they did team in a, I think it was a six-woman six tag match they were in at uh, Double or Nothing back in 2019. Uh, so they've been partners, but again, their history goes back to they've been rivals in Japan. Uh, there was even the comment made that uh, that, Rio, that Rio said to Hikaru Shido that even in 100 years, you, cannot, you can never beat me. And then the way that uh, after she shook her hand and then they just started forearming each other, you know this is going to be a strong, a Japanese strong style of match. And I'm here for all of it. I think Shida wins this one. I don't think Mizunami is going to stay in America to defend that championship. And um, so I think that they want, that championship has been prominently displayed on TV, not as often as it should, but it's still there. You don't want to have your champion, like what happened with Riho, be just all over in, in Japan and not see your champion. So I think that they're going to keep the title on Sheeta, and I think we're going to see another few bubble up with her and someone else on the roster, maybe Britt Baker. Maybe finally Britt gets that push to the championship, and boom, there you go. Um, so Hector... Um, I forgot Double or Nothing was AEW's next pay-per-view after Revolution. Yep, in May. And uh, I got Sheeta. Sorry, Mizunami, because of my previous comment about the title opportunity versus either Riho or Rosa. And Mizunami goes back to Japan after this from what I gather. See, so he, I, I said it, and then it, the comment was there. So there you go. Uh, and then, of course, I'm, this has got to be the main event. I mean, this, you can't put this any other part of the card except the main event for the AEW World, World Championship. Uh, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in a barbed wire death exploding death match. Oh man, Seth, um, how do you feel about this one? How do you feel? You see, this is why we can have nice things right here. Um, now, before Kenta lost to Moxley a week ago, and I'm still recovering from that shock. I really thought deep down that Moxley would lose to Kenta a week, a little over a week ago, lose to Kenny Omega here, and pre prepare to get ready for fatherhood a bit. Okay? Now it's in a state of influx here. And it's going to be a hell of a fucking match here. Okay? Yeah. I'm still going with Kenny Omega for the W. 
Usually I would take a chance on Moxley, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have Moxley win this one. Perhaps I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, please tell me here in the chat. Please tell Champ or Champ, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But I've got Kenny Omega here. Yeah, I'm also going with Omega here as well. Uh, I just I just feel like the AEW, they're going to treat their top championship like it's a top championship. And that what that means is they're not going to have these short, short title reigns. He just won it in late December. No, not even December, January. So I feel like they're not going to have, they're going to make sure that every title reign gets a full and nice, lengthy and meaningful Rain. It's not gonna be just a hold on to the title. They don't do shit with it, or it's a shit rain, and then they lose it in a heartbeat, or they only hold it for like a uh, a couple of weeks or a month, and then somebody else has it. They're not gonna play hot potato with their top championship. They want that championship to have all the meaning and all the prestige of any other top championship out there, including the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, which you rarely they rarely play hot potato with that either. So it's I'm going with Omega on this one, and it's going to be violent, and I cannot wait. Uh, Hector says, I hate to say it, but I got Kenny Omega because Moxley is about to become a father with Renee Paquette, and he's got to go out on his back, and I agree with you, Sith. So, yeah, he goes with the, he agrees with you, Sith. That's, that's basically what it is. But um, two more things, and then we'll move on to the week in wrestling, and that is number one. And I didn't think of this, but Seth, you want you thought of it, so I want to get your take. Who is the mystery signee? Who is the mystery signee that Big Show Paul White mentioned on Dynamite? Okay, uh, major expected signing. I'm going with the with Tia Trinidad, who was formerly known as Zelina Vega. Now I get it. I get it. All the indications that a man is being signed. And I know that's what Tony Khan said on AEW Unrestricted. I, I get it, okay? But I, I'm, getting, I'm going with the upset pick him going outside the box. I know a lot of people are saying CM Punk, Kurt Angle, Christian, Dave Batista. And I would love to see those cats join. But I think it's remotely possible that we go outside the train of thought, go with Thea Trinidad, and that's what Sith is doing. Thea Trinidad will become all elite. Right. Yeah, like I said, I didn't think of this, and I couldn't think of anybody I could think of because I wanted to go outside the box as well, but I just couldn't think of anybody, so I'm just going to just wait and see what happens. But it'll be interesting to see if it's Thea Trinidad because uh, they said Hall of Fame-worthy uh, competitor, and no disrespect to Thea, but she really hasn't done shit in her career to show that she's worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. But I get the thinking outside the box, so we'll see what happens. But finally, let's talk about preliminary grades. Um and I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go out and let him say it. This is an A pay per view, just just on paper. It's an A pay per view. Uh, so that's what I'm going with. Is an A. Only reason why I'm not going any higher than an A is because I don't want to set the expectations too high. And then something like what happened with the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara incident happening, which brought the entire energy of the pay per view down, and thereby brought down the grade because uh, the energy of the rest of the show was just not there. I don't want to set the expectation too high and then something happens which brings the energy down. And, yeah, uh, I'm going with an A. Sith, what about you? Okay, I'm going with my gut here, and I'm cautiously optimistic as of this show being recorded. 
AEW, with the exception of All Out last year, has delivered on every pay-per-view so far. But every dog has his day. This could very well go into AA-plus territory, but this card is heavily reliant on gimmicks or clauses. We have exploded bar- exploding barbed wire death match. We have a ladder match. We have a street fight. We have a battle- tag team battle royale and a big money match where the loser turns over the first quarter, all the first quarter earnings. This could be a blessing or a curse, so let's wait this out. That and also, AEW's had a reputation of going well over three hours on a pay-per-view. And given that this is being done tomorrow on a Sunday night starting at 8 p.m. East because AEW rightfully didn't want to go up against UFC, here we go. I'm going A-. AEW, I have a challenge for you. If you do go over three hours this weekend, please do not make it drag, feel like it's being dragged out. That's my only request of them, is don't drag it out. Right, yeah, no, I agree. Don't drag out the matches. Uh, don't let them go too, too long. Uh, I feel like the title matches should go 20 minutes at the most. Don't have them be 30-plus minute, and, you know, you're just trying to figure shit out. Like, let's, 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 be man- let's manage the time and everything like that. And before we move on to the weekend wrestling, congratulations to Sean Dean, the captain, who myself and Sip have been sitting here on this podcast and saying for months, sign him, make him all elite. And this past, over the weekend, yesterday actually, he finally signed with AEW. He is now part of the AEW roster. So now, finally, we're going to start seeing some wins for the captain. I cannot wait. I'm so happy, dude. I'm but so happy. Finally. I mean, we we have seen this guy grow since May. Literally, week by week on AEW Dark. Hey, AEW, what the fuck took you so long? Yeah, Jesus. true. True that. All right, Hector's got a couple comments here. Paul White might just be trolling us with the signing, and Drax is impossible because he's slated for the Hall of Fame in April, right? Yeah, Batista is going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I got an A, an A as my preliminary grade, and aren't we currently in the first quarter of the year? Yes, we are, but that still doesn't stop somebody from continuing to get their earnings, whoever wins that big money match. So I think that's the gag with that one, so we'll see. All right, so those are our picks and our t- our talk about uh, AEW Revolution. And again, we will be live on Twitch starting at seven twenty-five ish Eastern Standard Time, and we'll be talking about that and react to the buy-in match, and then we'll be reacting to the pay-per-view proper when it starts at eight p.m. So make sure you join us right here, right on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash True No Spots Pod. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um. By the way, I just ordered a pizza because I'm starving right now, dude. Um, so, yeah. So it should be here in a minute. So if I step away, it's probably because I went to, went to pick up my pizza from the doorway because it's contactless delivery, thank God. All right. Sith. I think I got a feeling. I got a feeling that the two good bits out of Raw that we pick are going to be similar. Because I can only think of two things out of Raw this past week that were good. With everything else being absolute garbage. Trash, 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 trash. Yeah. And I keep fucking it up. There we go. Do it. Trash! Yeah, no. But there were only two things out of this night that were good. And everything else was just bad. So I think we're going to have an easy time picking at least one bad bit out of this 
trash show, but I think we're going to both have the same good bits. So I'm going to start this off. Here are the five that you can pick from. And I'm like I said, I got a feeling I know which two you're going to pick. And then I'm giving you the option of which of the three are, are bad, even though they're all bad. Lashley versus Miz. And I'm just talking about throughout the night. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus, which opened the show. Nia Jax squashing Naomi. The Raw Tag Team Championship match between Braun Strowman and Adam Pearce versus The Hurt Business. And the Retribution Riddle Lucha House Party segment, which had two matches in one, which saw Retribution lose to the sixth man, but then Mustafa Ali beat Riddle with a weird ass move. What are your two good and what are your one bad? I'd like to preface this and say that Raw was a fucking dumpster fire this week. I think Champ will agree with me about that. Absolutely. Uh, Ms. Sheamus is my number one. Okay, of things that I enjoyed. This was a good way to open it. Uh, to open a show. Okay, now, I get it. Ms. You know, promoting himself, but we'll get to that in a minute. But the match itself was absolute fire. Why can't we get more matches like this on Monday Night Raw? This is... This is fucking frustrating that we can't get matches like this on Monday Night Raw. Because I'm going to be very candid with you all. I watch Monday Night Raw every Tuesday morning on demand. Champ knows it. Donnie knows it. A lot of people know it. And why? Because it's a chore to watch. It is no longer worthy of being watched live. The second good thing I would have to say is what ended up towards the end, which is Lashley Miz. Miz was doing heel shit. You know, typical heel shit. Um, literally the entire night. Trying to duck out of a deal. Like what I said last week, if for those who were, as you don't know, I said, Ms. deals a deal. You told the hurt business, hey, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Well, pay up. And that's what happened. Lumberjack match. I love lumberjack matches. Uh, Ms. and Morrison go back to where they need to be the mid card. You know, it, it, this just again proves my theory. That, yes, I'm happy to have Lashley as champion. Absolutely. I think he, I hope he gets a longer reign than just WrestleMania, but we'll wait and see. But it also tells me that they had no plans at all with money in the bank after what appeared to now, hindsight 2020, the case was never supposed to drop in the hands of Otis in the first place. Let's be perfectly fucking honest here. It wasn't. Worst part, Champ made this easy on me this week. He wasn't a dick. He wasn't an asshole, unlike me. Um, and it's easy. Naomi being squashed by Nia Jax. Not only trash, but just fucking absurd. I hated the match. It, I get it. Oh, Nia's a strong heel. Trash! <laughs> You're talking about one half of your number one contenders 
for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, and they're getting squashed. Squashed. What does this say about your booking? It, not to mention the bullshit that happened on SmackDown, which we'll get to later on, foreshadowing here. But what the fuck is up with your booking, WWE? Don't tell me you're not seeing what's happening on NXT with the women's division there. Don't tell me you're not watching AEW and Impact Wrestling with what's happening over there. They are booking women a hell of a lot better than this. They actually take the competition seriously, even, even the goddamn mid-card. Fuck it. I'm, I'm done. I'm done talking about this. No, you're not, because you got to give me my five bits. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, your five bits. Yeah. Uh, Drew versus Sheamus. All right. That really weird Hellraiser shit between Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. Okay. <sighs> I'm still reeling from that. Charlotte versus Shayna Baszler. Mm -hmm. Everything leading with Lashley Miz. Mm -hmm. And Riddle, Lucha House Party, Retribution, all of that bullshit. Okay, right. So Drew Drew Sheamus number one because you knew they was gonna you knew they was gonna beat the piss out of each other, and that's exactly what they did. They beat the piss out of each other, dude. It was absolutely amazing. That's a great way to open up your show. Granted, yeah, you know, Miz kind of was trying to go Drew and helping him keep his championship, and then it just went into the match. But once you got into the match, it was absolute. It was absolutely spectacular, and. You don't see too many TV matches like that nowadays, and that one right there was special. I really enjoyed that one. Um, the second one is definitely everything leading up to the to the Miz losing the WWE Championship to Lashley. Yeah, you know he the first time he was had the stomach ache and the cramps, and so they had to wait an hour. Then the second time he ran, got counted out. But I think it, as as annoying as that crap was, it just made the build so much better, and it made it so much more impactful when Lashley just beat the living piss out of Miz to get the victory and become the WWE champion. Uh, I I hate the fact that this is going to be a short reign for Lashley because this is mostly setting up for Drew to get his big WrestleMania moment on the uh, either the 10th or the 11th. But let's enjoy it while we have it. That Bobby Lashley, all these years of working and going to TNA and winning their championship, on, their top championship on multiple occasions, he finally has the WWE championship and he is now a triple crown winner, having been a former Intercontinental and United States champion, and now the current WWE champion. Uh, the bad bit had to be... Oh, shit. Um, I can't say Charlotte Shayna, because it was a decent match. I gotta say the spooky bollocks with uh, Alexa and, and Orton. I gotta go with the spooky bollocks because we're kind. I'm kind of over it now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I am. 
I still I still get turned on by Alexa's character, but the spooky bollocks I can't I'm I'm just over it now. Uh the whole thing with the spitting of the black lick was one thing, it was a good shock factor, but then this was just like, okay, come on man. Like what are you, what are we doing here? Like are we getting Orton versus the fiend for the like the millionth time or not? And is it is gonna be at WrestleMania, is it? Let's 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 get there. You know? But it is what it is. It it, it really is what it is. But there were a lot of things on this show that just were not good. Uh, that move Mustafa Ali, Mustafa, Mustafa Ali tried to hit on Riddle was absolutely what the fuck. Um, everything about this was trash. Nia squashing a, a title contender with little to no offense was poor. That was poorly booked. Uh, the way the tag team champions got treated, what the fuck? Like, they absolutely got bum rushed by Strowman and yet had to win off a cheeky roll up on the freaking Adam fucking Pierce. Like, Everything about this show was not it, fam. I just couldn't. And I do the same thing as Seth. I watched it on a Tuesday morning, and I literally was sitting there Tuesday morning like, why the fuck am I watching? Why am I watching this? Like, what the fuck, dude? Um, but anyway. Hey, champ. We yearned for the days when we had Raw. Oh, wait. It's coming back soon where we have NWA Power coming back, which, which along with Dark and along with Impact, Pull up the doldrums that is Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Uh, Hector with a couple of uh, comments here. He said his bottom barrel has to be the Miz avoiding the match with Bobby three times till the end. Top two, the fact that Bobby Lashley won, finally won the WWE Championship and the pay-per-view quality match between Drew and Sheamus. There we go. He thinks mm-hmm. that the SmackDown Women's Division is booked a lot, a hell of a lot better than Raw's. That's a fact. Uh, was it just me, though, but did it look like Bobby was forcing the Miz's hand in the full Nelson to tap out? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. I don't know. And remember, Champ, Ali is working injured, so he's really limited right now. That is true. He is. He did reveal that he is, work, he is uh, working with an injured, uh, an injured PCL. Uh, I get that, but still, I still had, at the time, before I, this, like I said, when I talk about these things, these are thoughts I've had at the time I'm watching, so it wasn't announced then, when I was watching it, that he was injured, I just saw him fuck up that move and was like, dude, you're better than that, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, anyway, let's move on, because Raw was, Raw was shite, and we don't need to dwell on it anymore, let's talk about AEW Dark, and let's get into the AEW Dark, so Sith, let's begin, you provide me with your five bits, please. Hopefully my pizza doesn't show up now. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we uh, go. Diamante and Ivelisse versus Kylan King and Red Velvet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Seidel Brothers versus SCU. That was our main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, the HD2, the Hybrid 2 versus Carly Bravo and the Captain Sean Dean. Mm-hmm. Max Caster versus JJ Garrett. Mm-hmm. Uh Skyler, John Skyler, Levi Shapiro, and Ryzen versus Colt Cabana, Colt Boom Boom Cabana, Evil Uno, and five of the Dark Order. Okay. And Fuego of uh, Fuego del Sol and John Cruz versus Top Light. All right. Um, my number one is uh, SCU and the Seidel Brothers main event. That was a right proper main event. 
uh, when you have a show full of a lot a lot of tag team multi man matches, that was the right proper main event was to have a tag team match between SCU and the Sidell brothers, with people still having to remember that um, having to remember that if SCU lose, let's keep this in mind: if SCU lose, they're done. They're gonna no longer be a tag team. So this was a big match, uh, even though it's on the smaller scale of dark. This was a big match for them because another loss and they're done as a tag team, right? Uh, the other one had to be the Dark Order because that finishing move that Evil Uno broke out to win that match was fucking sick. It was it was really fucking sick, and I enjoyed watching that. And I just enjoyed watching the Dark Order work as a, as a, now as faces. It's like really really fun to watch. Um, I would say the bad bit. Ah, uh, the bad bit. Would have to be TH2 versus uh, the TH2 match. Oh, not because it was a bad match. I just I'm just tired of seeing Sean Dean lose. Pretty much, I'm just tired of seeing Sean Dean lose. So yeah, I, that's those. That was the only bad bit. Only because I'm tired of seeing Sean Dean lose. All right, let me quickly go through your five because I got a feeling my pizza's about to show up very soon. Um, my first one. The show's commentary. We haven't talked about the commentary on Dark for a while, but this was this week was even funnier than, than it has been in weeks. So the show's commentary. Abaddon squashing Renee Michelle. Max Caster's diss track to 10 before his match. The Dark Order going two for two with not only winning in the sixth man, but 10 winning as well. And SCU versus the Seidel brothers in the main event. Oh, man. The number one is Dark Order. Two for two. You know, two and oh on Dark. They not only had a really good match that I alluded to earlier. You know, where you had the six-man tag, Colt Cabana, Uvino, number five, going up against Skyler, Levi Shapiro, and Ryzen. That was a really, really good match. But also, the fact that, you know, Stu Grayson had a decent, quick match. And it was not a squash against J.D. Drake. It was not a squash. It was a well-paced match. Bing, boom, done. Uh, the main event, Seidel Brothers versus SCU, my number two. Um, solid main event here. And honestly, I can see how things are going to go for SCU as they're aiming their sights for the AEW Tag Team Champions. But also remember, last match they lose, they split up. SCU splits up supposedly. Now, AEW so far has been really committed to storyline when it comes to this type of thing. Got to remember, they're so hardcore committed that unless Tony Khan decides to pull the trigger, the agreement stands that Cody Rhodes does not challenge for the AEW World Championship again because he lost in a match last year where that was the caveat that he couldn't challenge again. So they won again against Seidel Brothers in a solid match, no problem. Honorable mentions the commentary which is usually off the chain where it comes to dark, where it comes to dark. Dark has really good commentary, which really keeps people on board. And it's usually just as good as AEW Dynamite's commentary as well. 
this is easy, bad thing. Renee Michelle versus Abaddon, where Abaddon got squashed again, squashed win. Look, I, I love monster heels. I love them, whether they're men or women. But enough of the goddamn squashes. I mean, you can build a monster fan favorite or a monster heel without the squashes. And this really, I'm going to be very candid here. Whenever you have a squash match, whether it's online, on regular TV, or on a pay-per-view, you're insulting the intelligence of the wrestling fan. You're insulting fans again by saying, oh, it'll be good just to get this one out of the way. No, because you want to see your talent develop. You can't see talent develop in a goddamn squash. Um, essentially, champ. Okay, good. All right. Um, and you already gave me your five, right? Yeah, you did. You, we started with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, again, another dark sixteen matches. Fun times had by all. Um, I I definitely feel like the commentary is the what makes the show so enjoyable. Not just the wrestling, but just just Taz and Excalibur. Just they just you they just work so well together. Then you include either Ricky Starks or Anthony Agogo. Uh, you also this week they had num negative one there, and negative of course one. negative one was taking the piss out of, out of Alex Excalibur, yeah. as always. I mean, you just got you know, the it, it's just enjoyable, just enjoyable to watch, and I enjoy watching it every Tuesday. That's it's the only wrestling show I watch live when it when it premieres. The only one. Mm -hmm. Everything else I watch uh, on a tape. The, I watch a DVR and watch it the next next day, or something yep. like that. He watches um, AW Dark Taz. Live. I watch NXT UK Live. So it's like Taz is yeah. something else on commentary. Mm -hmm. Was he like this when he was on SmackDown WCW WWE CW's commentary? Hell no. No, he was nowhere near this no. because they're way too rigid when it comes to commentary. <laughs> He's a lot. It was. It's a lot better. He is on this one because he's just being himself and just having fun, basically. That, that's what I like about Impact and AEW is the commentators can be themselves and feed off of each other. A WWE. One of my main criticisms about them doing commentary is that it's just so bland and overly scripted. Right. Speaking of Impact, we're going to segue into Impact. And talk about this week's edition of Impact, which actually main evented with a triple threat with the women involved, involving both the Knockouts champion and one half of the Knockouts tag team champions. So let's talk about it, Seth. Here are your five bits, because I'm hoping that by the time I get done with this, my pizza shows up. Hopefully they didn't get lost. Um, and they need to hurry up, because I'm really hungry, and I'm about to get hangry. Hangry! <laughs> uh, so, first... The opening match, which was the X Division three-way match to determine a number one contender for that championship. Finn Juice and the Good Brothers tagging together in an eight-man match against Reno Scum and Triple XL. Grace, J Jordan Grace versus Deanna Perazzo versus Kiera Hogan in the main event. Sammy Callahan's statement, uh, segment from this past, uh, from Trey Miguel's wrestling school. And Nevaeh returning to assist Havoc after her match with Tennille Dashwood. Oh, man, this sucks because I enjoyed all these segments. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. 
It's main event time that we celebrate first here in the basement this week. As my number one pick for impact this week is Jordan Grace versus Deanna Praza versus Kiara Hogan, the triple threat match. This was a brilliant setup for a main event, as not only do you use the setup for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship match, but also some seats to lay in for a challenger for the Knockouts title as well after the match. All in all, solid way to end the show as we race towards Sacrifice, which is next Saturday, I believe, on Impact Plus, if I'm not mistaken, and beyond that as well. Oh, in ODB, it doesn't matter if she's back long-term or just for this bit of recordings to lead through Sacrifice. It's definitely worth it. Um, I gotta come out and say that number two is Tennille Dashwood versus Havoc, which was the second match of the night. Look, it was not a bad match, and it helped sow a story deeper involving Havoc, Tennille, Caleb with a K, and Nevaeh. Yeah, Tennille won with Caleb interfering, but it keeps Havoc strong, and the attack post-match on Caleb by Nevaeh shows a possible glimmer of hope that the best friends had hit a little slight bump, but they're still joined at the hip together, because in real life outside the ring, Nevaeh and Havoc are best friends. Um, definitely, you know, for WWE to take note about women's wrestling, but oh, they don't want, they don't want that smoke. They don't want that business. Um, I'm going to have to say the only bad thing out of the five, and this is just what I enjoyed the least because I enjoyed everything from Impact this week. Was the eight man tag Good Brothers and Finjuice versus Triple X on Rano Scum? I wanted to see a little bit more, but I liked it because it didn't have a lot of chances to really fall apart. Because with eight man tags and 10 man tags, those things fall apart very, very quickly. But this showed a lot of really good action. Also, put the story between Good Brothers and Finjuice a little bit more. So I'm hip with it. And my honorable mention, and this is definitely an honorable mention, is Sammy fucking Callahan. Oh, my God. Y'all thought he was just psychotic going after Eddie Edwards. Y'all really thought that was the end of Sammy Callahan being psychotic? He, he's a wild-ass motherfucker. He is. Hey, champ, you ready for your five? I I didn't even realize I was muted. I'm just sitting there talking and shit. Yeah, I'm ready for my five. I got cool. my pizza. I'm, I'm good. Let's go. Oh, uh, what type of pizza, my brother? Uh, the meats from Papa John's. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. So re re real quick, what were your two good bits? I know I heard one of you were talking about Nevaeh and, and the Havoc thing. So I, like, I guess that was one. What was the other one? Was it Grace Parazzo and Hogan? Yes, sir. Okay, good. That's all I wanted to know. I'm yep. marking them off of my, okay. my sheet here. Go ahead. What are yours? Uh, Chris Bay, Ace Austin, and Black Tarus, the triple threat match to become the number one contender for the X Division title, held by one TJP. Uh, Violent by Design, their little segment this week. Mm -hmm. um, the main event, uh, which is triple threat, Perazzo, Kiara Hogan, Jordan Grace... 
Uh, Eddie Edwards versus the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers, with Matt Cardona as your special referee. That's number four. And number five, Violent. No, I gave you that one. Never mind. Um, Janelle Dashwood versus Havoc. Okay. Um, the Triple Threat match number one. I mean, Impact has shown and has shown the blueprint of women's professional wrestling in the West for the last couple of years. Sorry, y'all. This piece is really good. They've been showing the blueprint for women's wrestling in the, in the West. I mean, we can't say the entire world because we have stardom and um, Joshi Pro and all those other uh, promotions in Japan with women's wrestling. So we can't say the world, but at least in the West, they've been showing the blueprint. So you see, you have your you have one of the most powerful women in in the division in Jordan Grace, along with one of the most technically sound uh, wrestlers and your knockout champion, Deanna Perazzo. And then you have one half of the tag team champions, the knockout tag team champions, and the wild card in Kiara Hogan. And you got you have yourself a, a very good main event. Um, it's very rare that women get the main event any show, let alone the, the weekly television show. So for them to get that spot was was definitely awesome. Uh, the other good bit was definitely violent, that Violent by Design segment because it played back to what Diener said the previous week. He said if he can't, like the week, two weeks prior, he said if he couldn't get it done against his cousin, he'll take whatever punishment comes. And he got his punishment. So I like what they're doing with that. That was, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, if I had to pick a bad bit, it would be Brian Myers versus... Eddie Edwards, not because it was a bad, it wasn't a bad match. It was a decent match. Um, I just liked the story, like made it seem like Brian, like uh, Matt Cardona was going to actually allow his friend to cheat to win the match as the referee. And when it didn't happen, it's like they're really trying to build this whole thing of Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers. It's happening. They're going to try to make it happen. So we'll see if it happens. I don't know. I don't know. But. Maybe it happens. I don't know. Maybe it happens. But another enjoyable week of uh, programming for Impact Wrestling, um, and we can sit. And I mean, people got 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 to start paying attention to to what Impact's doing. Uh, they're building towards another uh, Impact Plus uh, event where they're going to have Moose versus Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship. Uh, Good Brothers versus. Finn Juice for the tag championships. Got all that going on there. I mean, you got a lot going on there. You have some really great wrestling. Uh, if you're a fan of women's wrestling, then you might want to get on Impact Badwag because they're the best women's wrestling in this on this side of the world, to be fair. It is what it is. All right, let's talk about Dynamite, Sid. Mm, got to take another bite of my pizza. So... In order to be able to eat some more of this pizza, I'm going to start and give you your five so that way I can get some more food in my stomach because cool. I'm not so I'm not hangry. All right. AEW Dynamite. Shaq's in-ring debut performance. The Inner Circle press conference. Oh, and heck, I'll get to your comment in a bit about Impact. My bad. I'm just like trying to eat and stuff. Um, FTR and Tully versus Jurassic Express. 
the finals of the AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament. And John Silver and Hangman Page teaming up against Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn. Good hmm. luck. I'm going to need it. <laughs> uh, number one, and this is going to be a shock to people because I've been a critic of AEW and what their perception of women's wrestling. You know, it, it's different in how they run things because, as I've pointed out, Dark usually is filmed after Dynamite and airs the next week. So you're only doing one show a week to if there's a pay-per-view. But number one is Nyla Rose versus Ryo Mizunami to close out the women's tournament. You know, eliminator tournament, tournament to get the title shot. This was a major shot in the arm for the AEW women's division from start of the tournament, both the American bracket and the Japanese bracket to the end. It was a major shot in the arm that was definitely need to say the least. Nala Rose looked dominant, as did Ryo. And you want that in a tournament final. In a shocker, and it was a shocker because I thought Nala Rose had this. Uh, Ryo gets the W, and we get Ryo versus Sheeta this weekend at AEW Revolution. Uh, definitely my favorite part of this week. Hmm. Number two. And I would have to say is Shaq's ring debut uh, with Jade Cargill versus Cody and Red Velvet, which opened the show. Man, uh, hear me out, y'all. I, I know y'all are probably going to be shit in the comments here. Jade Cargill and Shaq took this on head on as did Cody and Red Velvet. And that goes off to all four of them. We all saw in Marvel the table spot, the table spot, and we took in, and this is just the beginning of the show. This was the perfect open for the night. And you know what? The story is not over. All in all, just jam-packed fun. And I actually thought that Cody and Red Velvet were going to win it at one point, but it helps the story to have Shaq and Jade win, and they did. Oh. <sighs> In a show that I really enjoyed, um, overall, about the only thing out of the five that I could say, and this is a stretch, that I didn't like was... I would have to say the Inner Circle's press conference. Um, it's going to get crazy. You know, I've got solid vibes about it, and it's getting stronger. I, I like the dynamic that's being built, but I think this serves as a double purpose. Not only put MJF like way over, but put him, putting him on a collision course with Sammy Guevara down the road. Um. This is not going to end well for MJF. His shenanigans are definitely going to come to a head soon, but he is still, I think, one of the best heels in wrestling. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, okay. So, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I actually enjoyed the press conference outside of the first person who was asking questions as Mike wasn't working. That that was yeah. outside the point. That, too, I was <clears throat> like, dude, your mic's but, not working. <laughs> but it was, it was it was what it was. I, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, all right, what are your five for me? Uh, the opening match, which was Red Velvet, Cody Rhodes versus Shaq and Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. I will give you Jurassic Express versus FTR with Tully Blanchard. Mm-hmm. I will give you Nala Rose versus Rio Mizunami. I will give you Paul White's announcement. And the main event, which was Adam Page and John Ingman, Adam Page and John Silver versus Mark Quinn and Big Money Matt Hardy. Nyla Rio, Rio is definitely number one tops for me. I mean, we said it when we was doing the preview for Revolution that Mizunami and Nyla put on one of the best TV women's matches in AEW's short history. That was an incredible television uh, TV match. Incredible. And the fact that they were given plenty of time to work, I think they were given like 12, 15 minutes, and they went out there and they utilized every minute of that time and really brought it home. I definitely loved that. Loved it so much. Um, And I think the main event was good because, once again, you're building up to... Matt versus Paige, and you're also seeing the relationship between Paige and the Dark Order. Um, so you got a feeling that the Dark Order is going to have something to do with this big money match coming up. Uh, excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, those are my, my two. Um, if I had to pick, uh, if I had to pick a bad bit. Um... What were the th- other three? I couldn't remember the other three. What were the other three? You're muted. Oh, my bad. Uh, Paul White's announcement. That one. That yeah. one. That one. That no. That that's to me is a bad bit. Only because he botched, and he called the pay per view the wrong name. Mm-hmm. He said AEW yeah. Evolution. Evolution, <laughs> which got the internet going because they're like. Oh my God, Dave Batista's coming, and I'm going. He's retired. He has no. He, once he was done with that run in 2015, when he wanted that last run with Triple H, he made it abundantly clear he was done. He wanted to be in acting. Yeah, but no, that's my bad bit. Is that is his announcement because he botched the name of the pay per view. It was like it was embarrassing. Um, all right, uh, I missed a couple of comments from Hector from the uh, previous uh, bit, so. I'm going to go back there. Hector said his bottom of the barrel for uh, impact was Finn Juice and the Good Brothers versus Triple XL and Reno Scum because it was a cluster. Yikes. I guess he said it's a cluster fuck. It's okay. Uh, I, I get it. Um, top two has to be one, triple threat women's match main event, and two, the triple threat X Division number one contenders match. Good shit. And then he says for Dynamite. Bottom of the barrel for me had to be the Inner Circle press conference. My top two, Nala versus Mizunami Women's Tournament Final. And two, Shaq debuting and the bump he, in the bump he took mm-hmm. that table spot like a champ. Holy hell. Listen, all respect to Shaq. 
at 48 years old at 300 plus pounds and seven feet, whatever. And he took a table bump. I've been in a wrestling ring and I won't take a table bump. Fuck out of here. <laughs> I was totally amazed. I was like, holy shit. You know. Listen. He earned. Listen, I'm, someone I'm, I'm put some respect it. by his name on that. That's all I'm, I'm gonna, gonna keep, say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it all. I'm gonna keep it all the way hundred with you. The fact that he took that table bump is you get nothing but respect from me, dude. Because that, mm-hmm. just, like I said, I'm not taking that bump. Kiss <laughs> my ass. Kiss my ass. I ain't taking that bump. That right, why? <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Yeah. And then Hector said that person was actually John Lennon's son. This disrespect towards Lennon's son was enormous. Which person was that? Oh, the mm. person that came up to ask the question. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Well, all right. That's what we got there for, for Dynamite. So let's move on to NXT. NXT. Uh, this week's NXT was supposed to have two tag team championship matches, but unfortunately... Uh, one of the one of the uh, members of MSK has an injured hand legitimately, so that's why they did an angle to put them out so that they wouldn't have that match. They're gonna have that match probably at a later time, most likely uh, at Takeover WrestleMania weekend, most likely. We'll see. Uh, but we did get one tag team title match. We got some uh, really good action in the main event, and we seen uh, Cameron Grimes finally get back in the ring on his million dollar man shit. So let's talk about it, shall we? Uh, I'm going to begin with your five bits because I have one, this piece of pizza staring at me and wants me to finish them off. Um, Strong versus Finn in the main event. The women's tag team title match between Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Shayna and Nia. The therapy session involving Austin Theory and The Way. Thatcher and Champa going up against the NXT Tag Team Champions, an LA Knights promo, and his involvement in the Bronson Reed versus Cameron Grimes match. Uh, okay, my top pick is at the very beginning of NXT this week, which was Tomasa Champa and Timothy Thatcher versus the Kings of NXT. Now, this was a fun opening match and it continues to build between Lorkin and Birch against the tag team division overall. I've really enjoyed this build with the Kings of NXT for those donors in the faction. It's been it's Pat McAfee, Oni Lorkin, Danny Birch, and the bruiser weight Pete Dunne. And I see them as the new undisputed era's horse dominant factions go. When I had a plot twist to this whole affair my boys in Imperium were standing on the stage towards the end, watching. Possibly Imperium versus the Kings could be a reboot of Gallus versus Imperium. Yeah. Um, and we got to say it right, man. It's L.A. Knight. His promo... And getting involved in Bronson Reed versus Cameron Grimes, getting into that one. I like Cameron Grimes' new uh, theme music as well coming in. And the match itself was good. And it's a sleeper for good match. L.A. Knight, L.A. Knight, 
He's trying to build a name. And it looks like he's going to be more of a heel right now. That's fine. But, you know, it's sowing the seats for him to get into NXT. Um, honorable mention being the main event. <sighs> Bad thing. Bad thing. Um, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax versus Dakota Kai Raquel Gonzalez. Um, that was the bad thing because the ending was botched. Um, oh, wait, Seth, you're saying the ending? Yes, because Dakota Kai wasn't the legal person in the ring tapping out. Okay, the ending was botched. And that really hurts a match, whether it's men's, whether it's women's, whether it's singles, whether it's tag teams, is where you have a botched ending where in a tag team match where your person that takes the fall or the submission is not the legal person in. Dakota Kai wasn't legal. And that was a major disappointment for me. So that was my down point. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because I kind of think that, yeah, the botch was, was was bad, but overall the match wasn't bad. It was actually a really good match. But I do agree with you that I think the botch uh, there, which could have been a purposeful storyline botch to set up what the, whatever announcement is, I still, they could have went another way with that. But no, I agree with you. All right, what are your five for me? Yeah, I was nitpicking at that because NXT was pretty solid this week. Um, the way in therapy... That's your first one. Um, Aaliyah versus Ember Moon. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Finn Balor shooting on Roderick Strong. Right. Man, that was a shot. Um, Champa Thatcher versus the Kings of NXT. Well, part of them. Uh, Lorcan and Birch and also the ending of it. And Balor versus Roddy. Okay, Balor versus Roddy is number one because they just put on such a banger of a match, but you shouldn't be surprised at that. I mean, we're, 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 I would never assume, assume or think that Roderick Strong and Finn Balor would put on a bad match when they face each other. I would never assume that at all. So, of course, that's going to be number one. And number two would def was definitely that opening tag match between Thatcher and Ciampa versus the Brit and Brawlers. That was absolutely a hard-hitting affair, too, and you knew it was when you had those four guys in there. You knew they was going to like beat the piss out of each other, and sure enough, they beat the piss out of each other. Uh, the bad bit was definitely Ember Moon versus Aaliyah because Aaliyah is supposed to be this quote-unquote face of the Robert Stone brand, and she just keeps losing. So I'm like, y'all need to just go ahead and just stop this Robert Stone brand bollocks and just let it go because she just keeps losing. She keeps losing, and yet she's supposed to be the face of the Robert Stone brand. So basically saying that your brand is a losing brand. Okay, got it. Um, and it was quick, too. Like, it wasn't even close, to be honest with you, and just Ember just getting her shit off. So, yeah, that was the only bad bit. The way it's kind of a, it was kind of in the middle for me. That that therapy session was kind of in the middle for me. They had some funny moments like fucking Indy Hartwell lusting over fucking 
<laughs> Dexter Loomis. <laughs> like, dude, like, okay, that's weird. You're like, you're weird. And then, you know, John, and then coming to the end, and Johnny turned out Johnny bribed the damn uh, therapist and shit to try to break Austin. And, like, okay. So, yeah, that was in the middle for me. And Hector saying, quote, his bottom of the barrel was the way therapy sessions, his top two was Strong and Balor, Strong versus Balor, and Thatcher and Ciampa versus Team Call. Thanks, Brian Zane, for that one. Call them Team Creator Wrestler. <laughs> that's fucked up. Oh, that's so fucked up, dude. Um, right. Alright, so, we've done with Wednesday night and the Wednesday night rewards, um, and it's now time to head on across the Atlantic Ocean, to the United Kingdom and the NXT UK report. And this week's ep- episode had a big, big fight feeling title match. Sip, what is we what do we expect in the report this week? Okay, here's what to expect. Was Kaylee Ray successful in defending her NXT UK women's championship? What happened on Supernova Sessions this week with Noam Dar and his guest, Tyler Bate? Did Ilya Dragunov continue his vicious cycle of a streak of late? All of this with the NXT and more with the NXT UK report that comes to you right here, right now. Hey, what's up everyone and welcome to your NXT UK report for this week. We had in our opening bout, we had Sam Gradwell taking on Ilya Dragunov, which had a bit of a story from last week, if you recall, where Gradwell was goading Dragunov. Well, payback <laughs> definitely happened here, as in the Slobberknocker, Dragunov again wins by referee stoppage with not only the crucifix, but elbow shots to the side of Sam Gradwell's head until the referee called for the bell. Nina Samuels tried to do a trick on Zia Brookside, but to no avail, Nina is learning that karma can sometimes pay, be very devilish in her payback. Over at Supernova Sessions this week with Noam Dar, his guest this week was Tyler Bate, and oh, did Noam ever get in his feelings when Tyler Bate wasn't buying into his games. He tried to tease Tyler's move of becoming a vegan and whatnot. And he also tried to goad him about the Heritage Cup loss as well. Well, Bate didn't buy into it and said next week in his Heritage Cup match, he will defeat the Bomber Dave Mastiff. We also had Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams taking on Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter in an excellent tag team match, which was thrilling. But at the end of the day, your winners this week were... Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. And in our exciting main event, we had Kaylee Ray defending your NXT UK Women's Championship against Miko Satomura in a match that was a that will be a contender early for match of the month and could be a top 10 match of the year. Miko pushed our champion to her limits, but at the end of the day, Kaylee Ray retains after hitting the gory bomb and post-match a sign of respect from these two ladies. Kaylee Ray's reign continues as of today after 
553 days, and that is your NXT UK report for this week. All right, back here from the NXT UK report. Thank you again, Sith. So, look, we can talk about that show all we want, but let's be real. We're going to only talk about that NXT UK Women's Championship match, which, for the love of God, was a freaking instant classic. It was freaking amazing, dude. Such a great match. It, I mean, they went at it for almost 20 freaking minutes, but the match felt like it was going longer. It felt like it went really, really, it was going longer than 20 minutes, but it was absolutely hard hitting. And you just felt like, oh man, there were some parts where you actually felt like shit, Mako could actually become the champion. Then there was some parts where you like, okay, Kaylee's go- Kaylee Ray's going to defend, successfully defend. Oh, it's just everything, everything that you you could ask for out of a chat out of a match, especially a championship match. You got it, and then some with this. Now I can talk about other things here, like you know Williams doing some sneaky shit to get a victory for him and his team, and Amir Jordan being none the wiser and dancing around like a goddamn goof. But um, there's that. Uh, Ilya Dragunov is an absolutely insane fool, and I'm surprised that 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 decision was reversed. It felt like they reversed the decision because he kept hitting him after the bell. He counted to five and it rang the bell again, but we didn't get an announcement. So that was kind of confusing to me because I'm like, wait, was the decision reversed? Wait, we don't we didn't even get an announcement that he actually won. It's just the bell rang, ding, ding, ding. He's sitting up there looking psychotic, and he beats his ass again. And next thing you know, there's another bell after a five count. So that was confusing. Um, Noam Dar is a dick. He's a massive dick. Uh, but he couldn't get under the skin of Tyler Bate. I like the fact that Tyler Bate and the Bomber Dave Mass are going to fight in a, heart, in a Heritage Cup rules match. Uh, so I like that. I like that. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do more of that. I think since they're gonna have Heritage Cup rules matches that don't involve the actual Heritage Cup trophy. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I gotta go back to that women's match because you had all eyes on that one. You had Piper Nevin and Jenny and and uh, Zia Brookside on the screen. You had uh, yo. <laughs> Eva Valkyrie freaked me the fuck out, dude. She sit, she's sitting on a little thing like this here. With a leg stretched out like this here. I'm like, yo, fam, what the fuck are you doing? That 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 <laughs> threw me the fuck off. I'm like, yo, fam, yo. And then she had the blue hue light on her and shit. I was yeah. like, okay, bet. <laughs> but um, no, this was a solid episode of NXT UK this week. Absolutely awesome. And I can't wait for next week. Because uh, you got next week, you got Piper Nevin and uh, what's what's Jack Stars in a mixed tag against Joseph Connors and Jenny. Yeah. Uh, that should be awesome. Uh, what else you got next week? Tyler Bate versus Dave Mastiff. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's something else important that's happening I should know from that show. You would know. Yeah, let me. But those are those are the two only two matches I could think of off the top of my head is that mixed the first ever mixed tag match in NXT UK history and that Heritage Cup rules match. Yeah, hold on. I'm double checking my log real quick. Give me a second. Cool, cool. 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 But I, I, like I said, those are the two matches I can't. Those, those are the two matches I know I'm, I'm going to have fun with. Is those two? 
Okay, let me run down here real quick. While he's looking that up, um, again, like, guys, all you got to do, NXT UK comes on on the network uh, every Thursday at 8 p.m. British Means Time, which is UK time, 3 p.m. our time. Um, so it's in the middle of the, in the middle of the afternoon. So if you just, you know, I ain't doing shit at three o'clock in the afternoon. All you got to do is turn it on and it's on there. You can watch it. It streams live and it's available on demand and it's really fun to watch. You figure it out there, Sith? Like, yeah, nah, I haven't trouble. figured it out, but we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Those matches alone are going to be sick. We'll come back to it. No worries. Ben right, Carter let's... might be coming back next week. That should be cool. He did have a, a brief. He did have a brief appearance on this week's show. Ben Carr did. Okay, let's talk about SmackDown. SmackDown, aka Mob Boss Roman's World, um, and a few things stood out. So we're going to talk about it. Seth, I'm going to give you your five bits first, and then yeah, we'll we'll do that, and then we'll wrap this thing up. All right, number one, Apollo Cruz is promo. The main event cage match, which main event Us and Daniel Bryan. Mob Boss Roman's promo to interrupt Daniel Bryan at the start of the show. Reginald gets fired by Carmella, rejected by Sasha, and then flirted with by Nia. And finally, Cesaro versus Murphy. Uh, number one, easily, is Mob Boss fucking Roman. When he, Paul Heyman, and Jey Uso went up to the ring, when Daniel Bryan came out there, he literally laid into Daniel Bryan. You know, you're ambitious. And it reminded me of quote in V in the in part, last part of V the Final Battle, where Daniel, the character of Daniel, who was working, you know, as a visitor, visitor, youth leader, and all this other shit, and he's told right before he's getting his comeuppance after he's set up, the ambitious have no friends. Well, there you go, and it, that's something that my boss Broman was trying to tell him, point blank. I thought it was solid. To say the least, just pure gold. Um, hmm. Murphy Cesaro is a sleeper, but the main event was awesome. The cage match between Daniel Bryan and main event J, main event use. Um, the whining from the people online need to understand that the tag team match of Roman J versus Daniel Bryan Edge was not going to happen at um, Fastlane. It was never going to happen. Okay. This was a really good setup. And the body language from Roman after the match, just looking fucking pissed. Pissed. Oh, man. Just perfect gold. And absolutely the worst is Reginald. You know, there was a Steely Dan album in mid-70s called Can't Buy a Thrill. Can't Buy a Thrill. Hey, Reginald, this is the story of you, the sommelier, 
who, after being fired by Carmella, did way too much on the outside of the spring during the match between Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler. It was needed there to protect Baszler and all, but damn, get rid of the spammer. It's embarrassing. And Nyla, now, look, dude, dude, fuck me. Nia thinks you're cute. Run. Dude, run. She will botch your ass. Run. Champ. <laughs> okay. What are your I was five? saving that for you, man. I was saving that for you because I need to get the laugh out of that. All right. What are your five for me? So we can wrap this up, this up here. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing was... Corbin, Sami Zayn, and the Street Profits. The entire opening segment with not only Daniel Bryan getting his shit off, but also Main Event J and Roman getting their shit off with them. Heal Apollo's promo. The main event. And um, the booking for the women's tag team match at Fastlane, I'm confused. But anyhow, those are your five. Okay, easy, easy. Uh, the cage match is number one. It was absolutely a hard hitting banger, and you kind of figured, you kind of felt that Daniel was going to win it, so we can get D. D Bry versus Roman at Fastlane. So there you go. There's that. Uh, number two. Uh, this one is hard to pick a number two, but I'm going to have to go with the opening segment uh, between Daniel and Roman because you can just feel the emotions coming from Roman. Talk about, look, you need to be here. Like, you want to be here. You, I need to be. All this. Just everything about that just screamed, I want more of this. Right. And an honorable mention has to go to we're not talking enough about Apollo Cruz and this character he's building out as a Nigerian royal family member. Now he has actual people guarding him like, dude, you're like 265 and Jack. And yet you have two people guarding you. This is how much of a dick you are. And I love every fucking second of it. And I want more of it. God damn it. Um, the bad bit for me is the booking of the tag title match. You already beat them. Why are they getting another shot, is my question. Now, granted, it now makes sense because uh, Bianca pinned Shayna this week, but then you should have announced it after she got pinned, not before they even have a match. Now it's like, it just makes no sense. It made zero fucking sense that fucking, you know, dude, it just made no sense, yo. I hated it. 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 For real. Uh, let's see. Hector saying, by what I gather, Mako and Kaylee Ray went hell for leather. Yes, they did go hell for leather. It was absolutely amazing. And at his bottom of the barrel, Reg Reginald, because why is he involved in the women's storylines? Top two, Daniel Bryan versus Main Event Jay in a cage match and Murphy versus Cesaro. All right, cool. Well, that's all That's all we got here. That's the end of our Week in Review segment. And that's all we got here. So the only thing we have left is our final thoughts. So I start with Sif with his final thoughts and what he's got coming up in the basement on Sunday. Okay, this is a sad day, folks, because a year ago today 
was the last time we had a WWE show in front of live fans on national TV in a packed arena. Now, Elimination Chamber was the last pay-per-view that was that weekend because it got to the point where the pandemic really, really took hold. This hit how Donnie Champ and I do this show because for a big gap spanning seven months, we went without action from NXT UK. Once they had finished giving us the stuff there that they had in the can, that was it until October. And the NWA is just getting started to coming back to actually putting out programming later on this month. And we ended up having Impact, AEW, and WWE carrying the load without fans in the building. It was really surreal and something we thought we'd never see at all as wrestling fans, but here we were at this point in time, hoping and praying that eventually fans could be allowed back into arenas. Now, I know we've got what one would call limited attendance crowds for now, and it's going to be a long fucking time before we get back fully into the details of having full arenas. I have to give a shout out to every single fucking person working as an essential employee and or frontline workers. You guys are the real heroes out there in this pandemic age. For the people involved in wrestling shows, although we here at the Pod do critique your shows weekly, we can't thank you enough for your efforts out there to give us entertainment for a few hours, as it's got to be painful to have this happen without the fans in the arena in capacity. My message to you all is very simple today. Treasure what you have today, as it could be gone in a flash or changed into something very Twilight Zone, like we've had over the last year or so. Right? Rant over. Now, now that I've gone over the serious shit, um, this weekend, basement, it's Bond. James Bond, um, details on the new stimulus package that passed the Senate and during Q&A. Now, I know what Champ's thinking when I tell him this. An RVA outlet finally dumped Christmas music for 80s. And I'm wondering, what the entire fuck? Because I've seen this before. So that's being done during Q&A. All this and so much more in Sith's basement this weekend, Champ. Yield the floor, homie. Okay, so we just talked about it in our news and notes earlier on about Caleb Braxton coming out and saying that she is bisexual, living her truth, and God bless her for that. Again, as an ally to the LBGTQ plus community, I applaud when someone is living out their truth and live and showing that they're this is the person that they are. What I don't like is what seems to always happen in these situations. You ugly-ass, stupid trolls who sit in your parents' basements with your stolen Wi-Fi, beating your meat to hentai porn, Japanese hentai porn, on a daily basis. You get behind these computer screens and get on these keyboards and say the nastiest shit when it comes to stuff like this because you know you feel as there are no consequences. One of y'all are going to fuck around 
and say the wrong thing to the wrong person and they're going to be able to IP track you, come to your house and punch you in your fucking face. And then you're going to cry, assault, assault, he assaulted me, he hit me. When you're probably sitting there making threats to them because you think they can't, they can't touch you. You people make me sick. The, 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 that's your, that same old people were the same ones that caused Hanukkah Mora in her early 20s to commit suicide. Last year, last May. Because they bullied her so badly, she just couldn't handle it anymore. It's those same trolls, those same assholes that sit behind a computer screen that cause many, many, many people to not want to even be on social media anymore because they're not trying to have to deal with that negativity and that crap. So, I say this. Yeah, go ahead. Keep, keep trolling on the internet. Keep going to in these wrestlers' inboxes or on their social medias and talking trash. Because guess what? Karma's going to come. And when it comes, it comes very, very hard. Very hard. That's all I got for that. I will be on this week uh, for the NBA slash Wizards Roundtable. There were only two games this week for the Wiz because of the fact that uh, they're currently on the All-Star break. So we'll be talking about those two games as well as previewing what they have coming up after the All-Star break. Of course, we're going to have... We'll most likely talk about the performances of a couple Wizards players who are going to be a part of the All-Star weekend. Uh, Denny Abdia and Rui Hachimura are going to be playing in the Rising Star game, which is taking place Saturday night. And then, of course, uh, Bradley Bill will be starting in his first, he'll be an All-Star game starter for the first time in his career uh, playing on Team Durant. Uh, uh, yeah, Team Durant. So, can't wait to talk about that with the guys on the roundtable Monday evening. So, This is a fun show, And now you're breaking up towards the bro. Yeah, something. Yeah, okay, there we go. It like it was a bit of a delay here with me trying to transition, and I guess it like kind of froze up a little bit. It kind of seized up a little bit. All right, so this was a fun. This was a fun little podcast this week. We had some technical difficulties, but not mm-hmm. too bad like like we used to. Thank God. I think having the um, Ethernet cable has been a big, big benefit. I'll tell you that much. Um, all right, so we're going to get ready to get out of here. Um, actually, AEW Dark is on right now because they always have an episode of Dark the night before a uh, pay-per-view, and they have one right now. The Natural Nightmares are getting ready to face uh, Pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi. So I'm getting ready to go watch that, and... Get this podcast ready to go up on for a Sunday. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Sis Basement on Sunday, every Sunday, six p.m. And then again, when twitch.tv forward slash True No Spots Pod, we will be live streaming our reactions to the uh, to AEW Revolution. So make sure you check that out. Thank you for joining us, Hector. Again, thank you for always being interactive with us. We appreciate you so much, and. Um, Make sure you tell friends to follow us on Twitch. Uh, we're trying to get to affiliate and really start trying to expand that pay, that channel and do more things and create more content. So just check that out and 
we'll check you we'll check you guys out uh next week for episode 102 where we recap aew revolution take care and good night peace out Hey guys, it's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as on Twitter, at truenospotspod. We will catch you on the next episode. Myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.